Hi everyone, welcome to the Dreaming in the Hollow podcast. Today I wanted to bring you one of my favorite herbalists, one of my favorite teachers of herbalism, and a very dear friend of mine, Alana Sobo. She's currently in Burlington, Vermont, and she's the owner of Shakti Botanica at shaktibotanica.com. Alana's an aromatherapist, a clinical herbalist, and an Ayurvedic herbologist. She's one of my favorite people. We met years ago at the very first Medicine Women's Retreat that was held in Johnson, Vermont at the time, and now is a traveling retreat. I was drawn to her by her nourishing energy, her motherly loving energy, um, and just just the lightness in her heart. And she's we've been close ever since. And I really appreciate the depth and clarity of her knowledge. And in the times we're in right now, I just felt strongly that I wanted to reach out to her, bring her on this platform, and share with you a lot of the information that she holds. Um, There are so many people right now online just frantically searching for um, support or research on how to um, help themselves and use herbs, you know, what, what do I use for this, what do I use for that, and it's actually so much more complex than just asking that question and answering that question. Um, I really don't think we can answer that kind of question as herbalists uh, and practitioners. I think we need to realize that um, this is a very complex situation and we need to be really careful. So I brought Alana on for this incredible two-hour recording of her covering a wide array of information on herbal support in these changing times. So thank you for tuning in, and I really hope that there is just a few things, if not more, um, that Alana touches upon in this episode that can support you right now, even if it's one tiny thing, um, and bring you back to groundedness and and making you feel less powerless in, in these changing and shifting moments that we're in. Hello. Hello. Hello, Alana. Hello, <laughs> Um, So today we're going to a number of things, but I just, before we start, I just wanted to uh, thank you for taking the time to talk with me because I know there's just so much going on and I know there's so much going on in your life and so many people's lives right now. Um, and I felt the need to reach out to you because of all my experiences with you as an herbalist but not your typical herbalist with somebody who has this really wide scope um, of herbalism in the body and the uniqueness of each body Mm -hmm. and I really have always appreciated that so thank you for coming on and offering your voice to those who just need to tune in Mm. thank you so much it's my honor and I'm really grateful to be here with you I'm really honored and um, you know hopefully some of the things that we get to talk about today will be able to provide people with some comfort and support mm-hmm. yeah I hope so too yeah. so um, if you wouldn't mind just starting by um, talking about you know what you do oh. and and what your focus is and give people an idea 
Yeah, be glad to. So um, I am, it's hard to say that I'm one thing. I, I am a community herbalist. Um, I also work under the umbrella of Ayurveda. It's kind of like the mother medicine that I work with and informs upon all of the you know protocols that I co-create with clients and just really informs the vantage point from which um, I'm able to help cater a specific herbs or lifestyle practice or even yoga asana to the unique individual. And so I use a wide variety of tools. I work with uh, medicinal teas, sometimes tinctures and tonics. I work a lot with aromatics and uh, flower essences. And then, you know, Ayurveda gives us this incredible amount of tools that are uh, lifestyle practice tools that we can work with as well. So that's kind of how I work. And each individual is always seen as a unique individual who has unique needs at different times in different seasons. And, you know, that's how I end up being able to find things, hopefully, that really work for a person right where they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, yeah, I've always really appreciated um, you as a teacher because it's not just about the herb and its uses, but it's also more importantly about the use in the individual constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, so this past summer in the year when you came, you taught a course on Ayurvedic herbology. Mm-hmm. Um which was phenomenal and covered a whole additional scope of information that I feel like is missing in a lot of um, herbal teachings. And yeah. it's really important to kind of have that. So yeah, today, well, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think, you know, things are really um, rapidly changing in the world of herbalism. You know, this idea that plants have energetics and that, you know, they can be heating or cooling or even have an affect, you know, emotionally or spiritually. I think it's making its way. And so I'm just happy to Mm -hmm. help move that process along in a way that people can kind of reference and go back and understand a little better. Yeah, it's really fascinating and exciting. And I've definitely learned things from you that I didn't realize before just from taking um, basic herbal courses. Mm. So yeah, so today we're going to talk about some tools for fear and anxiety Mm -hmm. and just overall wellness. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just have you go ahead and offer. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. Well, I also want to reflect back to you, Diana. I'm so grateful for you. And I'm so um, appreciative of your insight and your openness and um, that you provide, you know, a sanctuary space for people to come and have, you know, um, varying healing experiences. It's really important in the world. And so I just want to honor you as well. You know, I have the philosophy and belief that everyone is intrinsically wise and deeply connected to nature and to their own healing process. And you're such a beautiful steward, you know, of so many different modalities. And so I I just want to thank you before I start talking a bunch. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah, Yeah, that's really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And I know you've got a lot to say, so I don't want to... hold you up right off the bat. I'm really excited for what you're going to talk about today. 
Um, Are you ready? I have a lot of information to share. <laughs> I am so ready. Okay. <laughs> so also to anyone who's listening, um, you know, thank you so much for, for joining us in this discussion. What a strange time we find ourselves in. Um, mm-hmm. Diane and I were just talking a little bit about how it feels a bit surreal. A lot of change really fast for really the entire world. And so, you know, my focus today, my hope, is that I can somehow um, help to give people practical tools. But as I just said, I tend to give a lot of information. And so before I start, you know, listing things off, you know, I just want to let you know that you don't have to remember anything that I'm going to say. If things don't resonate for you, that's fine. Um, I often say to my students and to clients, you know, take what you need and leave the rest. If there's one thing that you can glean from what I'm going to talk about, phenomenal. You don't need to do a million things. And in fact, in a time where so many of us are feeling um, anxiety and fear and, and for many a bit ungrounded, it could be overwhelming to get too much information. And so um, I just want to say that before we start. It's really, really important because I want to be a helper and not a person to you know, load on more information. So the very, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a real thing, right? We get overloaded (laughs) and we live in a world of um, being flooded by sometimes wonderful uh, wisdom and information, uh, but it can be too much. And so, um, you know, I just wanted to begin by saying that. So my goal today is to, to largely talk about tools for anxiety and tools for fear and tools for keeping one's immune system strong and robust. I think in relationship to COVID-19 itself, I think the most authentic thing that I can say is that for almost all of us um, healthcare practitioners, this is, you know, it's called a novel coronavirus because we've never seen this before. And so, you know, the idea that any of us really, really know which specific herbs or which specific, you know, pharmaceuticals or even homeopathy, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I don't really feel like we're in that place yet. Our job as clinicians and as, you know, perpetual students of our fields is to, to listen and to read and to learn. And as we talked about before, to study the case studies so that we can get closer to having um, protocols. But it's really important just going back to this idea that each person is unique, that each person who might, and we hope not, but who might get sick has a very specific protocol, very specific um, herbal tools or other tools that are designed for them. Because this is um, a virus that is showing to kind of present in stages. And so that means if it presents in stages that there's no one size fits all herb and also herbs that may be good in one phase of the illness may not be good in another phase. And I'm not saying this to make people feel scared or that they wouldn't be able to help themselves with herbs, but I feel like it's important to say that. And there's been amazing discussion in the herbal community. I've had my face pressed, <laughs> had my face pressed to a computer you know, for <laughs> weeks and weeks. I think a lot of us have, right? We're like, oh, what can I learn? You know, how can I understand this? I think that's a you know very natural phenomenon. 
um, you know, in humans, we, we, we seek to know and we seek to understand. And so I've been like lots of people reading as much as I can, and I'm going to continue reading. And I really feel that some herbalists are just doing an amazing job opening up discussion, you know, postulating what they think would be good remedies. And I think a lot of us are agreeing, you know, each person is unique, each case is unique. But I do want, you know, if you want to be um, referred to good, you know, some good resources, maybe at the end, we can, you know, um, refer people back, and then they can find, you know, more specific info and data if they're looking for that. So just a little bit on that, uh, on COVID-19 itself, and, you know, can yeah. we cure it? Can we heal it? I think we're learning. And I think the beautiful thing about botanicals is that they're helpers, you know, I, I, I sound like a broken record, I think, in my life. I'm like, oh, the plants are here to assist. The plants are here to assist. And really, truly, plants are brilliant, complex beings who are here to, um, you know, continue their own existence. And they also, through all of their incredible ways that they create complex phytochemicals, um, they help us and other mammals and insects, et cetera. So we have a lot of tools to work with. And if, and you know, and if that's something you're worried about right now, what I can tell you is throughout history, humans have worked with herbs, worked with plants to assist them with all kinds of diseases. And we used to know a lot of them really well. And we're in this rena you know, renaissance of rediscovering that as, as a whole. So there are a lot of good mm -hmm. ones and we'll talk about some of them. Um, so before I get into kind of the specific suggestions, you know, for, for keeping vital and healthy, I wanted to talk about something called dinacharya. This is a Sanskrit word that loosely translates, translates, excuse me, into lifestyle practices. And this is an Ayurvedic concept of, you know, mindfulness around our daily rituals that can either bring us wellness, right, and support our vitality, or perhaps things that we do that might discourage us from being, you know, as healthy um, as we want to be. So I'm not going to really talk about the things we do that are bad for us because, you know, right now people are freaking out and I'm like saying to everyone, you do you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> work your tools. Yeah. And if they're maladaptive tools, you know, be kind to yourself. You know, none of us are going to become, you know, um, you know, have an excellent diet or, you know, austere yogis and yoginis in a week. We need time to digest. And so it's okay, whatever you're doing. What I'd like to add right now are some things that you can add, okay? Some things that you can add that can be helpful. So, you know, I, many years ago, when I did my yoga training, my first yoga training, I had the, the privilege, I did this at the, uh, the Shivananda Ashram, and we had the privilege of having one of our primary teachers be a, um, a cardiovascular surgeon. It was actually strange, you know, he was a doctor. But he had recently, you know, really discovered that there were certain parts of yoga philosophy and yoga practices that um, had profound effects on people's physiology. And so he really emphasized in the class, and he taught us our anatomy and physiology portion of the training, but he emphasized the power of breath. Well, two things, the power of breath and the power of something called Shivasana or corpse pose. And the reason that he thought, you know, the breath and this deep relaxation that we did were so important is because they have an ability to help reset 
and bring what we call the parasympathetic nervous system, our rest and recovery part of our nervous system, back into homeostasis. And I think in a time of high stress, you know, where we are now, where there's so much, um, you know, just anxiety and fear, we're, we're in a place of heightened stress. And that's having an effect on our physiology and our emotions both. So the practice of kind of grounding into your breath, just, you know, as you can, as you can remember, you know, three deep conscious breaths, as you can remember, really, really can transform things. So you might move from this place of feeling ungrounded and anxious. And after doing these three breaths, feeling more centered, then, you know, what research shows is that when we're super anxious, we breathe up in our, you know, around our clavicle. But when we consciously breathe, we can sometimes get, you know, all the way down even to the belly or at least be able to take a deeper breath where we can go deep into the lungs. And this really, it floods the body with good, you know, um, you know, good juju, as we say, you know, it makes us feel like, um, you know, we're rested, makes us feel a little bit blissed out. My, my son is like, oh, I feel a little, feel a little well, you know, excited. It can bring more energy into the system, but most importantly, it can help that rest and recovery part of the nervous system do its work. And the same thing applies for Shivasana. So when we lay in what we call corpse pose, we're laying on our back, we, you know, we, we allow everything to surrender to gravity and we let ourselves be held by the earth. This also restores our body it brings things back mm. into homeostasis. And so I think, you know, we're Americans. We're like, what can I do? And this is the opposite. It's like, do nothing. <laughs> Surrender. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think we're there anyway. You know, we're being told by, you know, the times we're in that we need to surrender. We're not in control all the time. And so through, the, through a practice, right, again, to the genitaria, we can help support that surrender and that letting go. And we can breathe deeply. We relax our belly. We let our limbs become heavy. You know, um, a lot of us hold our stomachs in. I think women in particular, you know. And so when we mm-hmm. relax the belly, we can breathe more deeply. So these are two very, very simple, but very profoundly, um, you know, um, balancing things that we can do right away. And, you know, it's hard for busy parents and now all of our kids are home. So, you know, be easy on yourself and just see if you can take a moment. You know, you can you can be making that spaghetti and deep breathing, deeply. you know, washing the dishes, um, you know, kitchen yoga or doing the laundry <laughs> yoga because that's real. You know, that's real life, real life versus, you know, all of us being able to sit in an ashram, right, and do the pranayama for 14 hours. So those are two important things. The, the next thing is if you are looking for a practice, and this is something that one of my teachers actually helped me. You know, I used to meditate a lot and then, you know, life takes over. And so I was expressing to her how I had no time to meditate. And she said, you, you absolutely, <laughs> you said you absolutely have time to meditate, but you feel too busy. And so maybe you're not making the time. So what she encouraged me to do was to set a timer on my phone and meditate for five minutes a day. And since she told me that, you know, I've been able to really sustain this, you know, um, five minute meditation. And there's something about the alarm in and of itself, knowing like, okay, the alarm's going to go off and I'm done and I can go back to folding the laundry or, you know, writing an article, whatever it is I'm doing. And that's another thing that we can do. And we know that meditation 
does everything for us. You know, meditation um, soothes and calms the mind. It brings us out of the mind and into the body. And it has a whole, you know, a whole huge range of uh, benefits, both um, spiritually, emotionally, and physiologically. So that's another practice we can do. Um, Another thing, and I know that a lot of Vermonters do this naturally, um, yes, get outside. We all need to get outside. We need to move our lymphatic system. You know, we need to breathe in fresh air. But if we take off our shoes and put our bare feet on the earth, that really, really helps. It helps us to make an electromagnetic connection to the earth. Um, and, you know, stress really does leave the body. You and I both practice Reiki and, you know, we know what that feels like when energy moves. And so by being barefoot on the earth, we're making this connection and the earth will take the stress. It will take the edge off and will help us to get back into our bodies, you know, breathing the fresh air, feeling our feet on the earth. You can take that a step further, you know, for those tree lovers out there, you know, go hug a tree. You know, trees are here. They are, they are the lungs of the earth. And so they are here to support us and to help us feel strong and stable and, um, I know most trees wouldn't mind some company. So, you know, going near the trees, getting in the woods, you know, whatever you can do. And if you're listening and you live in a city and you can't do that, you know, if you have a park near you, um, you can do the same thing there. You know, maybe if you take off your shoes and walk around, some other people might do it too. You know, there's, there's no rules. <laughs> there's no rules anymore at all. So, <laughs> right? Any, anything goes. If it yes. makes you feel good, do it. As long as you don't hurt anyone else and, you know. Um, we're, we're keeping, you know, a respectful of our neighbors. So, um, you know, those are just some lifestyle practices, um, you know, some basic things that apply are getting adequate sleep that plays a vital role in immunity and, you know, um, you know, keeping a robust immune system. Um, here is something that's really important. So in Ayurveda, kind of the central focus of vitality, how we st- stay well, is this concept that we have strong Agni. And Agni translates really to fire and specifically one's digestive fire. So if we have strong digestive capacity, we have the ability, the ability to, you know, digest food, but also, you know, ideas and concepts. So even this crazy, you know, <laughs> flood of information coming our way now, being able to digest that and being able to assimilate, you know, the nutrition, assimilate the information. And, um, and absorb, you know, the nutrients. So this is heavily emphasized in Ayurveda and our ojas or our, you know, our life force, our immunity is inextricably linked to strong and robust and healthy digestive fire. So ways that we can kindle Agni, as we say, or stimulate our digestive fire um, are many. But um, here in the West, we, we emphasize the use of what we call bitter tonic. So bitter tonic plants um, help to stimulate digestion. Um, we have a beautiful bitters company um, here from Vermont, Irving Moonshine. It's a great one. But you can make your own bitters. You can make bitters with chamomile. You can make bitters with um, orange peel. Even raw cacao has, uh, is, is slightly bitter. There's a lot, you know, dandelion, very famous bitter tonics. And just an awareness that some are heating, some are cooling. Um, Angelica is a beautiful warming bitter, uh, and I'll talk more about Angelica later on in our discussion. But it's just an awareness that that's contraindicated for pregnant women. 
And so by, you know, taking a little bit of um, a bitters before we eat a meal, it helps to kindle Agni and we're able to digest our food better and also will help, you know, the liver to do its work and, um, you know, help us to digest that food really well and remove gas in the belly and so forth. Some more traditional Ayurvedic ways to kindle Agni could be to nibble on a little piece of ginger, about um, fresh ginger, about 15 minutes before a meal, um, a little cayenne. Drinking warm water with um, a squeeze of lime is what we did for our clients at the Ayurvedic Institute. We seem to treat people quite well. And, you know, there's some others, but that's just kind of a basic concept. Now, in relationship to the foods that we're going to eat, you know, this becomes a little bit more complex because, again, each person is unique. And so what I really recommend for people, if, if, if nutrition and diet is a way that they want to keep their immune system strong, that you go on to Ayurveda.com. They have online resources there. You can take a, um, the dosha test. It kind of um, helps us to illuminate what our unique constitution is. And then there are specific food lists. So if you tend to run dry and no more vata dosha, as we say, um, there's going to be foods to favor. Same thing for pitta, if you tend to run hot and kapha, you know, if there's a little bit more sluggishness in, in your digestive capacity, there's specific foods as well. But, you know, without getting into the complexities of that, a general guideline is if your digestion is strong, you, you could probably eat more raw fruits and vegetables, um, which, you know, are full of all kinds of um, phytonutrients and they're delicious. And when it gets warm, they're just incredibly, you know, um, nourishing and feel wonderful. But if your digestion tends to be weak and signs of that, you know, can include, you know, gas and bloating after meals, you know, excessive belching, a difficult time with elimination and so forth, you might want to favor, you know, more cooked foods, foods that are already, if you will, a little pre-digested. And, you know, that's a, that's a general guideline in Ayurveda in general. In the cold seasons, we favor warming foods. And in the, in the, the warm seasons, we can, you know, be more liberal with juicing and smoothies and, you know, the cold raw foods, which, you know, the second it gets warm, I'm like, you know, like a rabbit munching on everything, <laughs> everything raw that I can. <laughs> I know a lot of us are that way, right? After the winter, we're like, yes, that's, that's good. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me just pause for a second. Do you have any questions for me so far? Um, I had one question that popped up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> just curiosity um, in terms of constitution mm-hmm. or um, is there any thing, um, things that would show up like on the skin that might sort of hint mm-hmm. at what's going on with your digestion? Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I think... Yes, absolutely. And, you know, from a more, you know, Western herbalist perspective when, and and, and Ayurveda too, I shouldn't say that, you know, when things manifest on the skin, so like things like psoriasis or eczema, they can indicate Mm -hmm. some kind of food intolerance. And then there's this idea that the blood is hot. And of course, you know, psoriasis is different than eczema. So psoriasis is a little drier, right? It's dry heat and Mm -hmm. eczema can um, present with more weeping. So they're a little different, but the idea is that, that perhaps, you know, toxins are getting into the blood. This makes the blood hot. The pathways of elimination are not so open. And so it indicates that there's heat going on generally, mm-hmm. generally, you know, of course it's you know, yeah. one size fits all. Dry skin mm-hmm. indicates, you know, um, that you might not be getting the fatty acids that you need. It's a more Vata presentation. And we all experience it here, you know, in Vermont. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, when you have wood stoves and you've got the heat pumping out, 
So, you know, even dry skin indicates that. But in, in relationship to digestion, you know, I've actually heard of people who get itchy, right? They get itchy mm-hmm. after they eat something. Um, one thing I think is really clear, it's not so much with the skin, but is like um, rapid mucus formation. So like, you know, mm. when, after you eat something, you know, that also can indicate a food intolerance as well. And I'm sure there are many other things, but that's just a few things. Yeah, so interesting. Thanks for answering yeah. that question. Yeah. yeah, I've always really loved, um, I'm not sure if I'm saying her name, and Carolyn Mace's work. She wrote Anatomy of the Spirit, and she really emphasizes um, how, like, the body is the teacher. So when things manifest physiologically, that is a teaching, a way for us to kind of identify, you know, what's happening on some deeper level. So wherever something shows up you know, what does that part of the body mean? What does it indicate? And in our Reiki training, we learn a lot about that, you know, where the knees represent, where the ankles and so forth. So I think that that's, you know, one of the ways that nature serves us. And, and, and I hate to say, even when we're not well, we're being served in some way because we're learning something about our body. So, you know, I think it goes pretty deep and pretty far, lots of different things. So, just to talk about, you know, what kinds of foods should we eat? Oh, you know, it's different for everyone. Um, someone who I love very much, I won't mention her name. She said, I said, are you, <laughs> I said, are you worried about food shortages? And she said, oh, no, I have tons of potato chips. And, you know, it was the cutest thing I ever heard. Because, you know, for her, for her, that was it. She's like, that's my whole jam right there. <laughs> I'm going to be great. And, you know, as a practitioner, I might be like, oh, no, you know, you shouldn't do these things. But as someone who just loves this person, I'm like, okay. So, you know, <laughs> there's so many things that we shouldn't be doing, right? You know, we know that sugar, um, you know, reduces immune function. And so, you know, less sugar, it's, it's, it's better, you know, less sugar is better, less coffee, it's better, you know, because that can be a little bit exhausting to our adrenals. Um, and, um, I, you know, Dairy is something that is such a contentious subject amongst people, but dairy, uh, particularly the dairy that we as Americans work with the most, this kind of um, homogenized and ultra pasteurized milk is considered uh, mucus forming. And so, you know, we don't want a lot of mucus forming right now in our body right now. If you have poor digestion, wheat can also do this. Um, But like I was saying before, you know, you do you. I really, my job is not to make people feel bad about their food choices. I'm just trying to make some just, you know, general suggestions. Otherwise, if you tend to be a person that gets really, you know, into food, eating, you know, bright color rich foods always is good for us. You know, things that have these anthocyanins and have the carotenoids, you know, so winter squashes and, um, sweet potato and lots of lots of berries as many berries as you can get your hands on are really excellent um you know carrots anything you can think of that is in that produce aisle is a friend essentially again you know if you have strong robust digestion raw foods are more tolerated and if not then um you know cooked foods Uh, you know some people talk about soaking grains so that they're more absorbable I definitely think that's a good idea to pre-soak grains if you have the time if not you know no worries um you know changing food up if you can so eating different foods 
um, adding spices. So kitchen witching is like the thing right now. And all of my, you know, herb folk friends, we're all talking a lot about how the aromatic plants, which I'm really going to get into a little bit, are such incredible allies right now. So liberally adding, you know, the aromatic spices, you know, all of them, you know, they're all indicated. A lot of them are very pungent. So just an awareness that there's a lot of them are heating and drying. That's their you know, we talked about that in the class, that those are the energetics, but, you know, a little bit with some, you know, if there's some healthy fats in the dish, it's not going to do anything in balancing. So, you know, feel free to add your onion and your garlic and your oreganos and your, and your thyme and, you know, clove and cinnamon, you know, think about all, you know, all the cultures around the world who really make great use of spices, right? Because they're also medicine and, and believe it or not, a lot of those you know, heating, pungent spices, they kill bacteria and viruses. That's why they're around. That's why there was a spice trade, you know? So they're medicine mm -hmm. as much as they're delicious. And so feel free to add lots and lots of those. Um, in terms of, you know, uh, immune enhancing vitamins and minerals, I, one of the things, excuse me, that's really important to me, you know, we live in a world where some people have you know, money to spend on supplements. And a lot of people don't. And so to say, you know, take all these supplements and, you know, you'll be super healthy. I, you know, I want to be able to provide tools for people that are, you know, food-based so that you don't feel like you need to get supplements from a certain place. If you can get some supplements, they're helpful. So some of the, you know, um, some of the vitamins and minerals that are specifically helpful for um, keeping the immune system strong, many of which we all know are things like vitamin C. I really believe in getting vitamin C from food-based sources. So just listing off some foods that are high in vitamin C. Um, parsley is high in vitamin C. Cilantro is high in vitamin C. The acerola um, cherry. Uh, sumac berries are high in vitamin C. Hibiscus is high in vitamin C. Rose hips are high in vitamin C. Conifer trees, which I am excited to talk about a little bit more. So spruce and pine needles are high in vitamin C and they're really incredible respiratory tonics. So they're like, they're big help, um, helpful medicine right now. They are great helpers. You just want to prepare them in such a way where you're not boiling off, you know, that really vital um, vitamin C. And, um, and I just want to add in there that, you know, make sure you can positively identify you know, um, spruce and the pine as well. And, you know, there's some others. Saffron um, has in incredible benefits across the board, but also has a good amount of vitamin C and, and so forth. And so, um, and, and red peppers and orange peppers, I, I could go on and on. So, you know, that, that <laughs> is, a, it's fun. There's, there's, there is a lot in our foods that's really supportive, but just moving along, zinc is um, a, a really, really supportive, um, you know, ally. So zinc is found in a lot of, you know, nuts and seeds. So if you're into soaking your nuts and seeds and more bioavailable, uh, pumpkin seeds are particularly high in vitamin C, um, vitamin, excuse me, zinc. So pumpkin seeds are a great ally right now to get an adequate level of zinc. And then, you know, if you need to get supplementation, you can do that. Selenium is really helpful. Brazil nuts are really rich in selenium, along with actually a lot of our herb friends. Um, so that's an incredible immune, um, supportive like think um so I keep going let's see what else so we talked about we talked about zinc we talked about vitamin c we talked about selenium vitamin d3 right which we get from the sun um super super important 
to support our immune system. And vitamin D, if you're not getting enough from the sun, that is a place if you can get a supplement that is really helpful and it's best absorbed with vitamin K, so D3 and K. And, you know, um, you know, all of the trace minerals, you know, magnesium is helpful, um, certainly for the immune system, all of the B vitamins, which some of our herb friends like, um, you know, um, milky oats and nettles are, are rich in, et cetera, et cetera. So just trying to eat whole foods, you know, that are mineral rich and then thinking about, you know, some of these super immunosupportive um, helpers as well. Other than that, you know, we want to keep drinking water. That's, you know, going to, we know that um, COVID-19 kind of lives in these mucous membranes in the mouth and in the nose for a while. So drinking an adequate amounts of water through the day, even taking sips through the day is really, really helpful. You know, hydration is, is, is essential. And, you know, keeping the pathways of elimination open, depending on who you talk to, um, you know, that means different things. But to me, what that means is keeping, you know, the lymph system moving, making sure that, you know, your elimination systems are healthy. So adequate urination, um, being able to um, have a bowel movement, you know, if that's not happening, there are helpful herbs, uh, triphala is an amazing um, digestive tonic that we work with in Ayurveda. Um, also even something like chamomile tea. So if some people get constipated when they're under stress, you know, and they feel anxiety, chamomile is really supportive in this way. And, you know, just eating fruits and veggies will help as well. Hi, kitty cat. If you hear, if you hear someone, cat, she's the smartest one in the whole house. So she might have something to say. Um, and, you know, one other thing um, is, Something that we call nausea. This is a practice that's widely um, done in Ayurveda. And nausea um, is kind of taking an herbalized oil and putting a few drops in that, in you know, up, um, into the nasal um, cavities. You know, two drops in each nostril, and then you know, moist. I should say moisturizing. Right, you know, rubbing the outside of the nose and those kind of um, marma or uh, acupressure points outside of the nostrils. And this helps to you know keep. Um, the nostrils lubricated and it also gives us a gift of an aromatic and it will hopefully help to ki um, to kill bacteria and viruses that may be hanging out in there. So I love nausea and you can certainly buy nausea or make your own. Again, thinking about constitution, we work a lot with sesame oil in Ayurveda, but if you're if you run hot, that's probably too hot. And so perhaps some sunflower oil or um, you know jojoba oil would be okay too. That kind of is neutral as well. And then just putting you know, into one ounce, if you want to make it yourself, you could put, you know, about five drops of um, a sinus opening essential oil, but really being mindful around that, you know, not too much, you know, eucalyptus can be nice. Um, if you if you're, if you have the ability to do it, you know, sandalwood is beautiful. Um, the Australian sandalwood, rose is lovely. And, um, you know, frankincense is also really wonderful, too. So those are just some, some helping aromatics that can be added to that and that's my um, I just yeah. can I um I saw that a recent post on Steven Herbrunner's yeah. Facebook page talking about bay leaf essential yes, oil yes I saw that um I never heard of I guess I never used it before I never even thought about it because I just yeah. use bay leaves yeah. you know for my soups and things um but he said it it's one of the essential oils for yeah um SARS yep I, yep, and I and I believe that you know Bay has such a long um, 
and beautiful history, you know, of warding off all that ails, <laughs> all that can ail someone. Mm-hmm. You know, my feeling about the essential oil, um, my understanding is that it's a bit, it's a bit irritating, um, in particular to the skin. And so just, if you had bay leaves, you could burn bay leaves, you know, it's really, um, it's, it's, yeah, to me, it's just as helpful. You know, the essential oils are things that are super, super concentrated, but if you cook with bay leaves, if you burn a bay leaf, um, you'll get those same benefits and, you, and it won't necessarily be as irritating or agitating. You know, I tend, even though I'm an aromatherapist, I'm so modest, you know, um, um, in my use of them because the more I work with them, the more I really see how incredibly strong and potent they are. But if you feel like, you know, if you're in New York City right now and you're, you feel like nervous that, you know, you're going to get sick, little kitty, um, then you know, maybe you use bay leaf in a cleaner, you know, that's, you know, that you can clean off your doorknobs, um, you know, dilute it heavily, put it into some kind of soap so that the, um, so that it binds to something, you know, just like a little tablespoon of soap and then fill up with uh, water or vinegar, whatever you have there. And I, I, I think that would be a good way, but that's just my opinion. You know, I, I mean, all I mm-hmm. offer is opinion, you know, he's, he's a brilliant one, Stephen. Yeah. But you are also, have a very wise opinion <laughs> well I'm a perpetual student of plants you know my big right. my big thing in life is that the plants are the wisest the wise beings and you know I'm here to listen and to learn and so I mm-hmm. I just feel really grateful to get to you know share share the stuff I'm reading um before I segue talking about specific immune herbs um one last thing that I wanted to talk about and if, if we only take away one thing from this whole discussion um I'm very supportive of folk remedies and, you know, I, I, my brain is kind of in going over time right now thinking like, you know, how do we help the lungs? Um, you know, how can we support each other? What if we can't go to the doctor and we need to, you know, help expectoration happen where there's congestion and this very kind of old folk remedy, I think you, you might've um, read about it too, of using an onion poultice. Um, is incredibly helpful for breaking up mucus in the chest. And, and in fact, sometimes an onion poultice is also used on the feet with socks on to, um, to draw down a fever. So onion, you know, it's this constituent allicin that's in onion and garlic that seems to really um, absorb well through the skin. And it, it helps, you know, it can either help us break a sweat or it can help to break up that mucus. So that's just like something folk, you know, most of us have onions um, and if anyone you know and love is really struggling um, with expectoration, this can, you know, possibly save their life. And it is not to say that if someone is sick, you know, we should be their doctors and, you know, tell them, oh, don't worry, don't go to the doctor. <laughs> Everyone who's feeling shortness of breath or who's having problems with um, expectorating their lungs or who has a dry hacking cough should absolutely be in touch with a healthcare practitioner. I really want to emphasize mm-hmm. that, you know, we are supportive as um, alternative medicine practitioners, but, you know, I have deep reverence and respect for um, particularly emergency medicine and, you know, the wisdom of, of doctors, you know, they know a lot about our physiology and, you know, um, how pharmaceuticals work. And so I, I just want to encourage everyone to feel safe enough, you know, to have the whole spectrum of support. But yeah, that onion thing is great. And so eating onions will help um, to thin mucus as well. And, um, you know, same thing applies for garlic, though I find that some people really can't digest garlic so well. But they- yeah, it can be painful. Yeah, 
absolutely mm-hmm. yeah it's really contraindicated mm-hmm. for some people and so um you know onion is might be a little bit more um tolerable so i'm gonna segue into talking about helpful herbs um for immunity do you have any questions before i move forward into that I don't. I'll just let you know that I'm probably going to have us stop for a break in 15 minutes. Okay. And then we'll come back and continue. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> a lot of information already, yeah? It's wonderful. Oh, That's so helpful. Yeah. You're very kind. I'm so happy to share. <laughs> okay. So this is where I start to geek out. So if I, if I start to sound overexcited, it's really because I love plants so much. And the more that I get to share about plants, it, you know, it just makes me feel really grateful that we have these brilliant beings with us on the planet, right? So um, this might be a good time even, and, you know, I, you know, even just to talk about when, you know, when something is affecting, you know, the collective at large, before we start to be like, let's use this herb for that, or this is the cure, or this, you know, before our thinking mind takes over too much, I think it's important to note that, you know, it's interesting um, that the coronaviruses, that they target the lungs, right? Because right now on planet Earth, the lungs of the Earth are burning. And that's not to, you know, try to scare anyone more, but there is a, we are deeply interconnected with the Earth. And so mm-hmm. I feel like this is something to think about, to ponder a bit, that we are also expressing, you know, um, what the earth is experiencing we are the earth it's all one and so you know just with that mindset then we start to think about the lungs as being you know super important right our our lungs you know when we look at them with an x-ray they you know they look like the the branches of trees so we're really connected to everything that grows on the earth and that keeps us alive and in Ayurveda, I think, I think in Chinese medicine as well, if I'm wrong, please forgive me, the lungs are also connected to grief. I mean, that's an important thing, right? The lungs are, are where we hold grief. And so when we're trying to heal and we're trying to, you know, move through something um, that seems to be affecting the collective at large, just having that kind of sensitivity or compassion for each other that we're all feeling it in our lungs (laughs) we're all experiencing some grief around the earth changes and you know um just kind of the unsustainability of you know what we say um capitalism gone amok you know just you know the fast-pacedness of life and it's it's scary but it's also profound that we're being forced to, to slow down that we're being forced to go inward that we're being forced to look at our what what i would call root chakra issues our survival issues because through this, I, I do, I am a believer that, you know, we learn and we evolve. And I think humanity is in a process of collective evolution. And so I just kind of wanted to talk about, you know, the lungs in relationship to, you know, the fact that, you know, deforestation is happening, you know, the, the lungs of the earth are struggling, you know, and that our lungs with the COVID-19 and, you know, the SARS and the MERS virus, you know, they target the lungs. So it's okay to be sad, right? It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel grief. And I know that some people, you know, a lot of people have been writing me and calling me and just saying, I feel out of control. Going back to that place of just as best you can surrendering and 
cry if you need to, you know, crying actually releases some good, um, right? What do they say releases when we cry? Um, so perhaps it's serotonin. I'm not sure if it's um, serotonin or some other feel-good hormone, but, you know, when we cry, we actually have a healing that takes place. And so I just want to let people know that it's safe to feel all the feelings and that that's part of healing. And I also find it interesting, you know, when you cry, you kind of release a ton of mucus, don't you? Mm -hmm. The nose runs. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, these things that so many of us are are scared of are, are medicinal in a way. And so just before I kind of move into these more technical things, I wanted to just uh, stop for a moment and reflect on that. Uh, so why do we love herbs? We love herbs because there is an herb to support us for everything. <laughs> if you're feeling stressed, there's an herb. If you're having poor digestion, there's an herb, or I should say herbs. Um, if, you're, if you're trying to boost the immune system, there's herbs. If you're trying to balance and modulate the immune system, there are herbs. And I should say mushrooms as well. There's all kinds of helpers. And so we have an incredible, incredible, incredible amount of tools to work with here. And so if you are deciding now is your time, you want to get excited about uh, studying herbs. My favorite, most favorite herbal book is my teacher, um, Dr. Ladd's book called The Yoga of Herbs. And it's really comprehensive and it talks about what the herbs do for our body, but also what the energetic properties, are they heating, are they cooling, you know, what are the actions of the herbs. And I really do encourage people like this is not information that only herbalists can have. This is information that is available to us all. And I really believe humans have, you know, this deep intrinsic connection to plants. And so when you start to gain a little confidence, you know, by reading texts or, you know, working with an herb one at a time, perhaps, you start to start getting some intuitive hits, as they say. And so um, I'm going to start to list off some particular herbs. And if one stands out to you, write that down or just save that little bit of information, because that's, that's the way things work. We are intrinsically wise. We have strong intuition. And when we trust that intuition, we often come to the right medicines for us. So um, what I'm going to talk about are kind of two different, well, three different groups of, of herbs. So I'm going to talk about nervines. So these are going to help us with um, stress and anxiety. And they're going to help to calm and soothe and, um, you know, hopefully bring us back to a place where we feel in our bodies. I'm going to talk about what we call herbal adaptogens, and those are incredible. They help our bodies to and our and our um, entire being to adapt to stress. And then I'll just talk about um, some general um, immune supportive herbs. And then lastly, just a few a few lung tonic herbs. I don't want to get too deeply into you know how to how to uh, how to treat um, this virus, but just ones maybe we just you know, maybe we want to tincture them or have them you know, um, somewhere in our, our home medicine chest. So first talking about um, nervines. We have so many amazing nervines to work with. Many of them are aromatic, which is no surprise. And later on, we're going to talk about um, aromatics, aromatherapy. And most of them are gentle. And so some that, um, that we can use as adults, uh, children can also work with as well. And I'll, and I'll try to be specific about which ones. So the first one is lemon balm, Melissa officinalis. And lemon balm tastes delicious. It's in the mint family. It's really easy to grow. You know, I really think that, you know, growing, gardening is another medicine in this time. Um, you can grow it in a pot. 
It um, has a nice uplifting lemony smell. Those are those potent um, aromatic compounds and really helps to um, soothe um, the digestive tract. It's antispasmodic. It's really um, gentle. It's brightening, so it's helpful for depression. Um, if you get cramping in the stomach, it helps to release that. It's antispasmodic. And if you're experiencing insomnia, like so many people I know right now are, um, a little lemon balm tea before bed can really help to bring a nice, um, nice um, sleep, bring a nice sleep on. So I love lemon balm and it makes a delicious tea and it's safe for children. You just have to, you know, you know, look up online how to dose properly for your children based on their weight. And um, it also has incredible antiviral constituents. So this, this one really crosses, you know, um, it, you know, crosses over into having many, many different benefits. So lemon balm is a great one. The next one is chamomile. So chamomile is probably the most famous herbal tea in the world, and that is for good reason. It's one of the most gentle nervous system um, tonics that exist, and its Latin name is uh, Machparia recitita. It's cute little daisy-like flowers, right? Grows as an annual. You can also grow it. Grows really, really early from seed. Um, oh, and I should say that lemon balm is cooling. So if you run cold, a little bit of cinnamon, perhaps, or another pungent herb could warm that up. Same thing for chamomile. Chamomile is cooling. It's a gentle bitter tonic, so it supports digestion. And um, it, if you have like irritability, which I think some people are experiencing right now, it takes that edge off. And like I said before, it kind of gently stimulates peristalsis. It's helpful for um, elimination. It's an anti-inflammatory. So it's, you know, really um, a good topical, you know, wash for things. And it really um, calms and soothes the belly. So when we experience anxiety that hits the, the tummy, chamomile is such a gentle and delicious helper, helping friend. So we love chamomile. I have a lot of chamomile um, and formulations for my clients. And people tend to do really well with it. And a contraindication to chamomile might be if you have an aster allergy. So just an awareness around that. Um, motherwort. Oh goodness. Do you ever work with motherwort? Have you worked with this beautiful? You know, I haven't, <clears throat> I haven't much. I think you recommended a tincture for me a ways back mm -hmm. when we talked and I did use it just for being a mother. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> it's, that's its common name. I mean, I love, um, I love motherwort. So it really is like the mother's helper. Um, it's got a great name, Leonardus cardiaca. It, a Leonardus means lion's tail, cardiaca to the heart. You know, most of my herby friends, we just call it the lion's heart. It is a wonderful, wonderful nervous system, um, nervous system tonic, um, particularly for like jittery anxiety, panic, um, burnout, and just like for finding your strength again. And I love that it's called motherwort because, you know, what do moms experience? We go and go and go. And then, you know, unfortunately, so many of us burn out. And so motherwort, even the smallest amount of motherwort really supports. It's also a bitter tonic. It's also cooling. So again, an awareness around that. But I find it works really wonderfully. It's not my favorite tea because of its bitter constituents, but it's a great tincture if you have access to it. And it grows wild and it has beautiful pink flowers and the bees love it. So that's a really helpful um, nervine as well. So Alana, let's pause right there and just take a little break. And then uh, we'll come right back and we'll finish up the rest of that beautiful list of herbs. Excellent. Okay. okay sounds great.
Hi, Alana. Hi, Dan. <laughs> we're back. So we were just talking, we, you just talked about lemon balm, chamomile, and motherwort. Yes. Okay. Our friends. Yes. Okay. So the next, just before I continue, any questions, comments, things you want to share? No, I'm just soaking up all this beautiful, beautiful information. So I'm enjoying it fully. Oh, <laughs> great, great. And, you know, it's, we know it's amazing. And, I, you know, I always, you know, what's so important is, you know, my, my biggest lesson, I think, as a practitioner has been to, you know, remove this sense that, you know, I'm the healer. I don't really believe in that. I just kind of believe that um, some of us are facilitators of bringing information forward. And so I always... You know, I tell my own stories um, because I think it's important to share that, like, you know, I'm in it, too. I'm trying to figure it all out, too. And so when I when my son, who is incredible, but very, very energetic, was little, I, you know, I would just play games with him all day. And I was super, you know, I do it until I was, you know, pretty much exhausted every day. A, a mysterious plant started growing on my property. And I'm looking at it as, you know, he's about four at this time. And I, while I had worked with mother work, um, you know, in the apothecary that I worked at um, in my twenties, I, I, I had never really seen it. And so I am looking at this plant and, I, and I'm telling my partner, I'm like, look at this plant, it's everywhere. And then, you know, I do my research and I find out that it's motherwort. and I'm looking at this whole stand of motherwort, and I'm like, oh yeah. I really need that medicine because I really, you know, didn't realize I was really starting to burn out. You know, we'd have like 12 hour play days and yeah, I was starting to get jittery by the end of the day. And so when I made my first um, tincture of motherwort, it was a profound experience. And I, and I, and I tend to be a low dose herb person anyway, myself, but it completely transformed my life. I mean, really, really, you know, I found myself a changed woman and so I am one of those believers that a lot of the plants that we need grow wild. Um, just going back to that place of accessibility, you know, if you don't have access to herbs soon, um, soon it's going to be spring very soon. And we can also find things in the wild that are our medicines too. And, and um, I remember Rosemary Gladstar saying, you know, your medicines will come to you. And I really believe that that's what happened with the mother work. So I just wanted to say that little thing about, you know, how plants sometimes choose us as well. You know, it can feel overwhelming when there's so many to choose from, but I do believe that we're in relationship with nature. And that was just an example, um, you know, for me, how that happened. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced that as well. Like certain plants just like they take over one year Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, I need that. (laughs) Yeah, I think last year all over my property and I mean chock full on my lawn was self-heal. Oh, amazing. Yeah, she's so cute. (laughs) She is so cute. She's a a lovely one. And I know that's a great plant. That's a potent antiviral right there. Um, Kind of a folk. It's, you know, it's not used that much in botanical medicine these days, but that term, self-heal and heal-all, um, that applies to it is because people really found they had so many broad applications. So that's so great. And Rick, did you make a flower essence, Diana, when you? I did. I made a flower yeah. essence and a body oil. Yeah, amazing. And so mm-hmm. for we're going to talk about uh, flower essences, but um, for people who don't know, self-heal is an incredible essence where if you've had chronic illness or you've been struggling with something for a while, it restores faith 
that you will heal because it can be intense, right? People who have chronic Lyme, people who have MS, people who are dealing with things, you know, that can, you know, continue to tax them. Self-heal comes in and says, hey, you got this, you know, you got this. And um, I'll talk about how flower essence work um, in a little bit. So that's so beautiful. I'm so glad that that was your friend. Um, so let me finish up on those. Let me finish up on the um, nervines, just the kind of the nervines that I was um, going to talk about today. So milky oats. Oh, my goodness. Milky oats, milky oats, milky oats. Um, my dear friend Lupo, who has a beautiful herb school in um, Connecticut, she, she, she speaks beautifully about milky oats. So milky oats are the oat when it's in this particular phase of growth where um, it, it kind of excretes this milky sap. When you, when you press it in particular. And so this is a time to harvest the oat and it tends to have this particular affinity for the, for the nerves. For, um, Lupo says, you know, it kind of calms the frayed nerve. It soothes and coats the frayed nerves. And that is a real true phenomenon, right? When we're really stressed out, we get frazzled, right? We use that word, I'm fried. Well, you know, neurons are, they're very hot. And so when we bring in um, nervous system tonics that are coating and soothing and, you know, things that have a lot of mucilage, we are really helping the nerves themselves. We're supporting the myelin sheath. We're really supporting kind of those slimy, beautiful, slimy coatings that exist all through our body that support and help things to stay cool. So Milky Oats does this and... Um, it's incredibly um, nutritious. And so it has a whole spectrum of B vitamins. And these, you know, the B vitamins are what are known as our stress, you know, our stress regulating um, vitamins. And so when we, when we drink this nutritious um, B vitamin and other trace mineral, other minerals um, in this milky oat tea that we're going to make, we're really getting extraordinary nutrition and we're getting that calming and soothing effects as well. I love milky oats. I add it to uh, most all formulations <laughs> um, where it's appropriate, um, where it can be used. And people do really well with it. And it's what's known as a trophal restorative. And that, that term generally applies to a substance or a plant that can bring restoration. And it brings nutrition to a particular system. And so milky oats is a trophal restorative for the nervous system. Really, really beautiful one. And um, helps us to feel grounded. You know, has a sweet taste. And in Ayurveda, the sweet taste is grounding and stabilizing, excuse me. So another one is rose. I think rose is beautifully indicated at this time. Um, rose is cooling, um, but it, it's cooling and also aids in circulation, which is pretty cool. You know, not all cooling plants do that. Peppermint also does it among some others, but rose um, helps things to circulate in the body, helps the blood to circulate. And it really does have an affinity for grief in the lungs. Rose, um, you know, there have been tests that were done on the essential oil of rose. And, you know, um, you know, these are a little more esoteric tests, but, you know, rose is said to vibrate at this incredibly high frequency, um, something that you know, kind of blows everything else out of the water. And so rose is love. I mean, rose's aromatic gifts are so profoundly healing that by simply smelling a rose, generally, what do we do? We are like, ah, you know, it helps us to relax the beautiful, beautiful rose. And there's many different kinds of roses. So growing roses and smelling them or making, you know, a rose um, petal tea. Roses are very, very aromatic. So sometimes I just add some rose to the lemon balm or I add it to, um, 
you know, I, Tulsi rose is an amazing, amazing herbal combination. And Tulsi itself is an adapted, um, excuse me, is a nervine, also an adaptogen. So that's a nice mix of working with rose. But rose really does have an affinity for the lungs. And so um, that's just kind of an awareness, you know, for all of us, we can spray rose water, we can smell roses. If we have the gift of having some kind of rose oil, we can work with that. And we can put a little in a tea and drink it as well. And it's going to really help um, to clear heat out of the body and to support with grief and just kind of calms and soothes the nervous system. So that's another good one. Um, Linden, I love Linden. Linden is really special. Linden is a tree, the Tilia species. And we work with the flowers and the bracts. And if you haven't worked with linden in your life, I heartily recommend it. Even harvesting from a linden tree. We have a lot here in Vermont and all over the Northeast into the South. And you will just, even going near this um, aromatic um, tree when it's in flower is profoundly healing. And you'll hear the bees and the sound of the bees is healing. But linden is also another cooling nervine. And I really love um, linden for taking kind of the edge off. <laughs> it's very uh, calming without being overly sedative. It's, it's gently sedative, but not too, too much. And if you're, if you're looking to, you know, um, just feel better, you know, if you're feeling grumpy, if you're feeling like stress won't go away, I think Linden has a really profound effect and um, it tastes amazing. I mean, I think, you know, in the world of herbal medicine, I, you know, I certainly like to stick to things that are enjoyable. And Linden in this time when things feel very intense and dark for some people, Linden is brightening. And it's also known as an herb of love. And so we like love. That's good medicine. Um, there are more sedating nervous system tonics, but I'm not going to emphasize those as much. But if you're having trouble sleeping, where the nervous system just really feels overloaded, there are things like passiflora, passionflower, also skullcap. And some people work with valerian as well. I know you have beautiful valerian growing. Um, you have it in your front yard, yeah? I can't remember. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. so big. I remember how beautiful. So there are, those are, you know, have a, a more profound um, effect, I believe, on the nervous system. They're, they're a little bit more sedating, valerian in particular. Um, but I tend to like the gentle nervines worked with regularly. So if you're trying to really quell anxiety, two to three cups a day is, is well indicated. And then the last one is lavender. Lavender also as a tea might be a little much, but a little bit of lavender in a tea. Lavender really crosses so many spectrums of, um, of healing. It just has, it has antifungal, it's antibacterial, it's antimicrobial, it's um, antispasmodic. And, you know, I believe it also has some antiviral properties. And we know that it just smells incredible. Lavender is safe for the littles. And so I make a lavender pillow for my son, which he turns into like a soccer ball, partially. <laughs> but he loves it. It's like his lovey now. And so, you know, that indicates to me that it's helpful. And it really does help bring on um, sleep and the lavender buds can be, um, you know, just rubbed gently and put near a baby's bed and, you know, just help to bring feelings of calm. So I love, 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 love lavender. And so that's it. There's so many other nervous system tonics, but I'll, I'll leave it there. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of adaptogens, adaptogens are plants or mushrooms, excuse me, that help us to adapt to stress, to have, help humans to have greater resilience. 
And, you know, they haven't been studied terribly long. I was really lucky to work with this amazing herbalist, Donnie Yance, and his adaptogens are his thing. And so he's really provided a lot. If you're interested in what adaptogens do, he has a, a book on adaptogens um, that's wonderful and very well referenced. And these adaptogenic plants are many, and um, they have proven to really help to be what we call immunomodulating. So I love immunomodulation um, as opposed to um, immune stimulants. Immunomodulation implies that um, a plant or a mushroom has uh, innate intelligence and where there's deficiency brings us back to balance. And when there's, where there's excess, like autoimmune disease, helps to bring us back to balance. And so that's really important right now. Um, you know, there's some, there's some thought that the COVID-19 um, may or may not, you know, respond as well to these really, you know, immune stimulant herbs. But that's just speculation. I, I, again, I don't want to get too much into that. There's some other herbalists who I think are doing a great job talking about that. Mm -hmm. um, but some, just listing off some adaptogens. And again, that reminder that each has different properties, each has different constituents chemically, and each has a different energetics. Um, so some are heating, some are cooling, some are stimulating, some are relaxing. I'm just going to list off some. And again, if you get that aha moment, if there's one that stands out, you know, go, you know, go online and look it up. I really like um, Herbalgram, you know, the American Botanical Council's website. I think that they're very thorough. I think we can really read, and, you know, um, and understand how, um, you know, what the herb does um, can help us or hurt us. You know, I think that's a great resource. And um, I love a modern herbal, Maud Greaves, you know, that's how I learned about botanical medicine. This is kind of that very um, old folk book. <laughs> so that's a wonderful book, a modern herbal, which is also found online, botanical.com. Um, there's really great uh, websites of specific herbalists. I love Anne McIntyre. Um, she's amazing, a medical herbalist, Ayurvedic practitioner out of the UK. Um, and then there's some great, you know, herbalists here who have websites as well. Um, who will talk more in depth. We, Stephen Buhner talks about, you know, adaptogens as well. And um, so there's a lot of information out there about them. But, you know, generally just, you know, just recapitulating um, that a, an adaptogen helps us to adapt to stress or where there's anxiety, where there's fear, where there's just working too hard, they take the edge off. Literally, they can help to balance different systems in our body and they really are immunosupportive. So that's, I want to emphasize that. So some that I'm going to list off are ashwagandha, which comes from India, Ayurvedic and Unani medicine, um, rhodiola, which I, I believe has a particular affinity for people who might be experiencing depression and anxiety, um, astragalus, which is being very well indicated here for COVID-19, um, tulsi, which is a delicious tea, also um, um, native to India and some um, subspecies to uh, Northern Africa. Uh, Tulsi is amazing, makes a beautiful tea, antiviral, um, nervous system tonic also, really beautiful. Um, Shizandra, Shizandra is said to have all six tastes with something that's very important in Ayurveda. So when we get all six tastes in a food or herb, that can help to balance different systems in our body. There's a Lutherococcus, Siberian ginseng. There's American ginseng. There's Shatavari. And then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. But these are just some of the, the helpful ones. And if you're looking for one, you know, for daily use, I love Tulsi. I love Organic India's blend of different Tulsis. It kind of takes away the pungent properties as much because they add the forest Tulsi, the Vana Tulsi. 
which um, is less heating. So um, that's a good one. You know, if you can't find anyone that stands out, that's a nice one you can drink with tea and just kind of start slow. Make sure that, you know, it agrees with your belly, but generally just really beautiful and very protective. And then lastly, just talking about um, some lung, lung tonics, some of the standouts so far in our research about COVID-19 and ones that help with expectoration and also what we call mucolytics, where they help to either thin, you know, thin mucus and, um, you know, that's what we want right now. So licorice, <laughs> a licorice glabra is incredibly helpful and also antiviral. I think after this time passes, we're really going to see that it was a shining star here. Um, Angelica, Archangelica. Um, I was telling you before that I'm having dreams about Angelica. Um, Angelica mm. has a very long um, and rich history of, you know, kind of being this um, panacea-like herb. It was during the plague revealed to um, a monk, you know, these Benedictine monks who were the keepers of the plants that um, it was the cure for the plague. And um, it tends to bloom around the time of um, St. Michael's Day, Archangel Michael's Day, which I believe is May 8th. Um, I apologize if that's not right. So it kind of has this kind of spiritual um, <laughs> um, history and also how it got its name, and Archangelica. Um, Angelica is both a warming bitter tonic. So it's a digestive support. And so when this kind of goes down to our belly, you get a stomach ache. So it helps with that. Um, and it's also an incredible lung tonic. Um, it's really supportive to the lungs and protective, right? It protects us. Love Angelica Archangelica. Um, again, this is, a, this is a plant that's contraindicated in pregnancy because it's also what we call an amenagogue. So it moves the blood in um, the pelvic area. And so that is contraindicated in pregnancy. Another herb is elecampane, inula. This is a beautiful, beautiful herb that we can all grow. And I heartily encourage Vermonters to grow this one because it's um, hardy down to zone three and has sunlight, sunflower-like flowers. And um, you harvest the root. And it's also a, um, a, a, a bitter tonic. It's also diaphoretic. It helps us to sweat. And um, it thins the mucus and it helps to expectorate mucus. So these are incredible helpers. Um, kitchen herbs, like I was saying before, these are all also helpful for the lungs. They're warming, they're pungent, um, mostly heating and drying. So, you know, again, awareness if you run hot. And then we have something like mint that helps to open up the lungs. So much so that mint is actually contraindicated for children. You know, a peppermint is contraindicated for children. Five and under can be overstimulating for them. Um, yeah, so yeah, and we, most of us, we don't know that, you know, we're just like, give me mint, but mint is also antiviral. So I just wanted to add that piece as well. But if mint, you know, if you, if you can go uh, or get your hands on spearmint, it's, it's a bit more gentle. It's not as high in those constituents that, you know, can burn the eyes a little bit or, you know, just overwhelm. And then, you know, um, you know, keeping with the onion, things that are, you know, the garlic, fresh ginger, what a friend, you know, turmeric, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, that kind of closes that whole chapter on specific herbs. Uh, so before I move on, just talking about flower essences, yeah, any questions or comments you wanted to share? I don't know. This is wonderful. And, and, you know, I think brings a lot of clarity to people who are just reaching out and trying to find some simplistic yeah. things to do and feel like, you know, they don't feel so powerless anymore, yeah. you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that is, you know, I think that's what's feeling taxing for so many of us is that sense of powerlessness is, 
is overwhelming and that alone can keep us stuck. And so, you know, again, you know, I'm just one person saying this, you know, obviously I'm going through it too, but, um, you know, just giving yourself, being compassionate towards yourself for whatever you're going through. This is a journey, you know? And so, um, again, if one thing stands out, great. If you can't do any of these things, that's okay. Um, And if you don't have access to herbs, you know, this idea that we can really get kitchen spices is important. You know, uh, so many of the spices that we work with were brought here as medicine. They were medicine for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of, not hundreds and thousands, excuse me, for hundreds and thousands of years. And so, um, you know, if you just have some oregano, uh, use that, use that. It's, it's really all good. It all helps. It's all supportive. So um, let's see. Anything else I want to say about herbs? Um, where do you, where do you get your herbs? So, you know, if you're blessed to have local apothecaries, you can certainly get herbs there. I'm such a proponent of growing herbs. So this is the time to get seeds and many herbs, especially those um, culinary herbs, they grow beautifully in pots. They really do. So, you know, don't be afraid to make this your year to, to try growing spices and, you know, your local health food store is going to have a lot more than you think. So, um, you know, time is an amazing, amazing, um, antiviral support, you know, has, um, time all, which is pretty potent and can really help to, you know, kill bacteria and some viruses. So, you know, cooking with time, um, cooking with, um, you know, cinnamon, you know, drinking chai, a rooibos chai is good medicine at this time. All those pungent, you know, the cinnamon, the clove, the cardamom, they are supportive. They are immunoprotective right now. So we have a lot more, you know, often than we think we do. And we don't need to have, um, you know, a whole huge medicine chest. And for some people, it's cost prohibitive. So that's not even going to happen. So this is the part I was excited to get to. Okay. (laughs) So so now we're going to talk about supportive tools for stress, anxiety, and fear. And this is where I really believe that we can all help ourselves. So I'm going to first talk about flower essences. And flower essences are these dilute, potentized herbal infusions of flowers that, and they've been prepared, you know, by, um, a solar infusion in the sun. And so we work with specific flowers, we put them in the sun, and then we make, you know, these what we call mother essences, which we then um, dilute and um, have people take, you know, as they can to support emotional and spiritual well-being. They work differently than other herbs work, though similar principles apply that they, um, they have a signature, you know, each specific flower has a specific gift, many specific gifts. And we work within this concept of the doctrine of signatures. So um, this idea that a plant or flower reveals what it's good for by its physical appearance. We work with that a lot when we work with flower essences. So when we say, oh, you know, this, this flower is helpful for this emotional state. It generally comes um, from observing perhaps what the plant does in the ecosystem or where it likes to grow or how it helps the body, you know, as medicine or how it helps, you know, different animals or insects. So that's a lot of how we start to understand how they specifically work with us. Um, 
flower essences work on the subtle energy systems in our body. And so, you know, I'm not sure my dad would listen to this. He would say that doesn't exist. But, you know, <laughs> but yoga, but dad, yoga philosophy says it does. So, you know, and I just want to add, my dad is a physician. So he's, he, he is a very bright and intelligent person, but it's harder for him to, and like and him, like many to imagine that we have things called an etheric body or an auric body or an astral body. But according to ancient yoga philosophy and, you know, uh, people who tend to study mind body medicine, you know, acupuncture, acupressure, polarity work, Reiki, um, people who meditate a lot, there is this very real understanding that we have the physical body. And then we also have these, you know, unseen, but just as real bodies that surround us. And that is the place where flower essences really help support us. And they work in a very gentle way to support and encourage emotional processing. So they're not like these things that we take where we're like, oh, wow, zing, you know, my cough is gone. Although that's, I shouldn't say that doesn't happen. I think if, if we're struggling with something, if there's an imprint, so to speak, of something, a flower essence can kind of nudge us um, a bit back into balance. And so when we work with a flower essence, essentially what we're doing is we are um, aligning specific flowers. Sometimes we mix them up. Sometimes we work singularly with where we are now. And so there's very specific flower essences for whatever could ail you. And the flower essences that are generally for um, fear are varying. And so, you know, I'm just going to list off a few. The first um, one I'm going to talk about is what's known as the five flower um, remedy or what is known in the Bach, um, excuse me, I'm just sipping something, um, the Bach flower remedy as rescue remedy. And so this is kind of the remedy um, and chosen flower essences when you don't know what to choose, when you don't know which one to take. And it's for kind of, you know, extreme fears or trauma and when you don't know which other one is going to help. And it tends to be very well received by, you know, people who've just, you know, been in an accident or, you know, gotten bad news. And, you know, I think we've all gotten distressing news recently. So um, this is a great one. And um, you can easily find it in your local health food store. It's, it's readily available and, um, you know, just a good one if you can't figure out which is your chosen one. Um, another one is our friend Archangelica. And so Angelica, um, my kitty's sitting on my book here. Come here, sweetheart. Sorry, I apologize. She just likes <laughs> to be involved in everything. Um, Angelica is really helpful for overcoming fear um, where we don't feel like the universe is holding <clears throat> us. And it helps us connect to what we would consider, you know, angelic realms or higher spiritual guardianship and protection. And so um, it's a really beautiful one for connecting to spirit. And then um, another one um, is rock rose. And rock rose is kind of like when that ego self, and I don't mean like because we're egotistical, but like that part of us that's really connected to our survival when it feels very threatened. And so it's like this terror that we might be feeling at losing our life, you know, losing our sense of self. Um, being close to death. Rock Rose is a really, really beautiful one. Um, let me see. I'm in my brain just going over time trying to think of some other ones that are really helpful. Um, Aspen is a great one. And Aspen is one of the original Bach remedies, um, helpful for um, unconscious fears that might be present and anxieties that we might have. And then, you know, there's a whole other um, group of 
flower essence for fear. And I really do encourage people um, to go online and look that up or look up um, flower essences for anxiety. I think you're really gonna find a treasure trove of um, helpful information and you'll be able to use <clears throat> more specifically based on that. Because my belief is that flower essences work similarly to homeopathy, where we're really trying to marry ourselves to the right, you know, remedy. And when we mm -hmm. get the right one, it really makes all the difference. You can make flower essences yourself. If you have flowers growing in your yard, you put them in, um, you know, there is a specific technique you can look up, but, you know, generally you, 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 you will maybe offer something to the earth and then, um, You'll get a glass bowl, you'll fill it with good quality water, and then you'll take um, flowers and let them sit in the sun. And when they are um, there for a good four or five hours, you can then transfer that, you know, what you have is a solar infusion. You can then mix that with um, some brandy, or if you don't work with alcohol, perhaps some apple cider vinegar to make what's called your mother essence. And then from there, you can take four drops and then put that into a bottle and work with that. Or you could even take four drops of that and <laughs> put it in another mm -hmm. bottle with water. And it kind of works on that, in that, you know, conceptually that we're working with the energetics of, of this incredible being, incredible flower. So that's something that you can do that's, you know, um, cost no money. And, or if you're going to buy some, they're generally between six and $10. So it's a really affordable modality. And it's really, really helpful. So that's just a little bit about flower essences. And any questions? Yeah, um, it's. I just wanted to say um, it is super easy to make them yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and also to add to what you were saying, I was thinking about the certain varieties of rose for the heart. Oh. Um, I know that I have a peace rose essence mm. that I grew that variety for one year and it only lived for one year, unfortunately, um, it, but it gave me some beautiful blooms and I was able to make the essence from it. But it's, you know, the first um, part of the description on it is striking fear from the heart. Oh, wow. Um, so that really came to me while I was listening to you talk. Like there are some other uh, varieties, too, that work in different parts of the body and the energy mm -hmm. body, but mm -hmm. could be supportive, you know, with what you're feeling in the changing <laughs> times. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm always geeking out because I'm like flower power, flower power. It's real. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the flower yeah. power is real. And so even if we're not working with flower essences, if you have an opportunity to bring flowers into your house, into your home, into your apartment, just one flower or spend time with the flower, you know, when I was a young herbal student, that was one of the first things that I was sent out to do was to sit amongst the flowers. And that is where a lot of my, you know, I was at the time I was quite sick with what I didn't realize was chronic Lyme. And that's really when things started for me, when I started really touching in. So I really think the flowers and the plants, and I know you know this, they work vibrationally uh, for sitting mm. next to them. Yeah. And, you know, flower essences was sort of the gateway for me for working with plants energetically only without ingesting or touching or mm -hmm. making, you know, or processing them. Mm. Um, so flower learning how to make flower essences and the whole process of it was this sort of opening mm. place for me to really tune into my clairvoyance and intuition 
with plants. It's such a beautiful practice. And I really appreciate you bringing up Angelica in particular, because, you know, not only have I been working with her really deeply this past year, and she's really been supporting me and protecting me and just bringing more angelic peace into my heart. Mm. Um, People are tend to be so afraid of her. Um, she resembles hogweed (laughs) giant hogweed right Um, and I think it's very easy for people to just quick look at it and and say oh my god that's giant hogweed I have to stay away from that and even go running the other way Um, but she doesn't have you know those toxicities or poisonous dangerous um, things that hogweed offers Um, but they're in the same family right and so that photograph that I've been, or the photograph in the video that I've been sharing on my social media of Angelica, that particular swath um, was being watched many years ago by um, a fish and game person. Yeah. <laughs> he was sort of parked on the side of the street and, you know, watching it and was, you know, questioning it. And finally, the lovely woman that owns that garden that mm. I work with a lot um, walked out to him and said, you know, can I help you? Why are you sitting in your car? Do you want to come talk to me? And she said she had to go through so much to convince him that it was not giant oh, hogweed. Oh. She literally broke off a stem and yeah. put it in her mouth and ate it. <laughs> yeah. And I think he's still freaked out and panicked anyway. <laughs> um, but it's really, yeah. so it's amazing oh. how people feel yeah. about Angelica, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For those of us who have had the privilege of growing it and sitting by it, you know, she is no less than an angel, you know, because quite tall, <laughs> extremely aromatic. Um, if you allow um, her to go to flower, you know, the bees would be like magnets. You know, all parts are edible. That's what's also cool, right? So they used to candy the stems. But I do find that so interesting that, you know, that that story you just told is, you know, the story of all of our lives. You know, we've spent the last few generations disconnected from nature. You know, we're not we're not in the same place we used to be where or maybe we will be again, you know, where we're depending on the plants that grow for our, our nutrition and for our, um, for our wellness. And so there is a fear and sometimes it's legitimate, you know, sometimes it is hogweed and, you know, um, you know, hemlock, which is is also in the APSA, um, APSA family, you know, the parsley family. And so, you know, I hopefully you, this wonderful woman and that stand is gorgeous. I keep thinking about that video. What an amazing, amazing thing to, to mm-hmm. see. Um, she probably helped, you know, facilitate, I hope, you know, um, a little bit of a healing for that gentleman and maybe not hating, um, you know, hating those plants so much. And, you know, I've, I've talked to friends about like poison ivy and the hogweed and, you know, people say, what does it mean? And I come from that perspective that, you know, nature is a protector for her own self as well. And so when these plants Mm -hmm. go up, they're saying, stay out, (coughs) respect, (laughs) you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'm powerful. So Mm -hmm. yeah, thank you for sharing that about Angelica, because I personally, for me, since, you know, the coronavirus has come, I, uh, I'm like processing seeds to get ready to stratify Evangelica. And I feel like it's just talking to me. Like I am medicine. I am medicine for this time. And I think on many different levels, we're seeing that. So, yeah, 
I agree. Yeah. So we spent so much time already. Just the last place I want to touch and maybe, you know, one of the most important, because I think there's going to be a lot of usage of essential oils in the time to come is talking about aromatics. And I am a huge, huge lover of aromatic plants. I think that they are similar to mushrooms. I just realized I didn't talk about reishi mushroom and other mushrooms as adaptogens. I'm just going to put a little plug for those real quick. That um, <laughs> I just don't want to go the whole time without talking about them. But they are, mm-hmm. um, mushrooms are also incredibly um, supportive to the immune system and immunomodulating, in particular reishi. And cordyceps is another one that's an amazing lung tonic. Also turkey tail. Um, you, you know, a lot of people find chaga. So just, you know... Um, my talkie, you know, lion's mane, they're all really helpful and supportive. And um, some of them are delicious, like the lion's mane. So moving mm-hmm. now, <laughs> don't mind that I'm jumping a little here, <laughs> a little shorter on time. And I want to make sure, you know, that I can adequately talk about essential oils, um, aromatics when you don't have access to essential oils, um, which I think is where we're headed anyway. Uh, humanity is headed anyway. Um, and then, you know, just kind of how they benefit us and how they can be daily tools. I love aromatics because they're simple, 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 accessible and work fast and work quickly. We are designed to work with aromatic plants for healing. So, um, just before I jump in there, I'll probably talk for a good 10, you know, 15 minutes. Is there anything that I can answer specifically for you or, you know, any questions you have before I delved into the world of aromatics? Um, no, no. I think that everything you're about to say, I completely agree with, and I'm probably on the same page here for sure. Yeah, yeah we're big plant lovers, and so for those of you who are listening that um, don't work with um, with uh, essential oils, we're kind of we're moving into a time where essential oils are being found everywhere. And to distinguish some things here, there's essential oils that are found in aromatic plants. So these are the specific phytochemicals and constituents found in, you know, plants to help protect the plant, to help attract pollinators, and, you know, um, to help communicate, which we're learning, you know, terpenes in particular are um, almost like pheromones and, you know, help a plant communicate with other plants, which is amazing, and some uh, insects as well. Um so essential oils exist in the plants themselves. Essential oils that we work with are the volatile constituents that we're able to extract from those plants, resins, trees, you know, um, flowers, etc. And so they're extremely potent. That's the thing that I always talk about in class. They're very potent. And they're also not whole plant medicine. So they have their time and their place, and they're incredibly helpful, but they don't need to be the everything. And... Um, I don't believe that the field of aromatherapy was ever supposed to get this big. Um, the practice, yes, but the widespread use of, of essential oils, no. We're, we're really teetering on very serious sustainability issues at this time. And, it, and, it's, and it's quite upsetting because, you know, most people don't know which, which oils they can work with. And so, um, you know, there are many different aromatic plants that are helpers. And then we talked about the kind of the culinary ones. And there's also, you know, what we, we use as sacred smoke. So things like incenses and, you know, um, salvia apiana, you know, we're not using that as much for sustainability reasons these days and respect reasons for indigenous people, but we can grow that. And we can also work, you know, with cedar, um, you know, give an offering to the earth and then have, you know, local aromatics to work with. 
Um, we can also, you know, work with conifer trees. I was saying before how important they are. And I believe that, you know, pine and fir and some of the other conifers are real helpers right now. Their aromatic constituents are very supportive to respiratory health. And they're trees, you know, trees ground us. Trees are the lungs of the earth. And so they're here to support us right now. I think they really shine. And you don't need an essential oil. You know, you can take the needles, you know, again, respectfully harvesting. You know, we're not in the business of, you know, taking more than we can use. I'm not in the business of that. Um, And I certainly don't encourage people to, you know, chop down, you know, a fir tree in order to, you know, take care of their their family's needs but we can harvest a small amount and then we can um put the uh, sorry the needles on on some boiling water and it will bring a beautiful aroma into the whole house i really encourage people if they still have their christmas trees hanging around to take those needles and one thing that i do is i actually put them in our coffee grinder and we get a beautiful powder um and i just smell it in a jar that's kind of my aromatherapy for the day and um so aromatic plants really work really well just by smelling them and we don't need to have you know a hundred different oils um but so you know so many of them are supportive and um i'm sorry my son he's sign languaging something to me <laughs> sure what it is. <laughs> I think it has something to do with wanting to play video games, but um, <laughs> okay, it's all right. So, so forgive me for that. I'm just coming back. So just to talk about, you know, how do aromatics work? Because this is really important for the for the times we find ourselves in, and why do they work for anxiety and fear? What aromatic plants do, okay, is that they um, they access or excite or awaken the limbic system, and this is kind of what we call the reptilian brain. And so this is this older embryological part of the brain that really, it's one of the first things to form on our fetus. And it's the interface. This is really interesting. It's the interface between the brain and the outside world. So the limbic system is like this, this emotional center seat in our beings, and it's connected to our fight or flight response, to our emotional reactions, to our hormonal secretions, um, to whether we feel motivated to do something, our pain reflex, our mood, our, um, our sex drive, and ex- our sense of orientation. Because also part of the limbic system is um, the hippocampus and the hypothalamus, these regions in the brain, um, particularly the hypothalamus that regulates hunger and thirst and our response to pleasure and pain. And so what we realize is that this limbic part of the brain that um, aromatics work with instantaneously, this really almost, you know, the second that we smell them, the fact that that's accessed means that we can really do something through intentional smelling, if you will, (laughs) that's going to help balance the limbic part of the brain. Some aromatics are stimulating, some are relaxing and, and, you know, many are simply supportive, you know, they're, they're neither nor they just help us to release tension. And so they really hold a place. And by smelling, you know, these aromatics, um, we're even allowing, you know, um, you know, something happens, something chemical happens when we smell them and um, the, the, uh, what should I say, the molecules of an aromatic, they bind with oxygen and they move into our lungs. And so when that exchange happens in the lungs, the essential oils are in there. 
And that's why I really caution people against, you know, over, you know, overusing essential oils in their household, you know, especially near children, especially that thieves blend where there's, you know, potential for some irritation. So just, you know, being mindful that a powerful thing happens just from smelling the essential oil, um, something very transformational to the body. And what's really beautiful are things, you know, many, many different things um, that are aromatic or supportive to the lungs and help with expectoration and, you know, uh, maintaining robust, um, uh, robust health, you know, respiratory wellness and health. So that really excites me. And mm -hmm. you think, oh my gosh, what a modality, you know, how helpful is that? You know, just to, um, you know, to continue talking about how, how those aromatics work with us is that when we, we can also put them onto the skin topically, right? And so you can make an infusion of um, a plant, an aromatic plant into an oil, or you can work with an essential oil. And when you put it on the skin, you know, something really beautiful happens. We have kind of this transdermal um, absorption, you know, it, it, the, the skin absorbs it, it penetrates through the fatty layers of the skin, and then it continues into that interstitial fluid um, into the bloodstream and into the lymphatic system. So that's big medicine, you know, that's profoundly helpful medicine. So there's many different um, aromatics that can help us. We can work again with the lavender, which is really calming and soothing. You can either work with the buds or you can smell an essential oil or dilute, you know, no more than 15 drops per ounce. Even that to me, you know, is a lot, much less with children between three to five drops for, I'm very conservative um, per ounce for children and to a topical if you're working with the essential oil. Um, chamomile, you can make a cup of chamomile tea and have this experience. Those essential oils are volatile in the plant itself, in the flower itself. So by, you know, applying very hot water on top of the chamomile, Generally, when we make the tea, we want to cover the tea so those essential oils, you know, aren't released and lost. But if we want to use this for aromatherapeutic purposes, we just, you know, have that cup of tea under our nose and smell those essential oils. You know, mm -hmm. we don't have to get essential oils. We can just work with the, the plant material. Same thing for eucalyptus, which is a very powerful lung tonic, a very, very supportive respiratory um, uh, plant. Uh, I'm talking about eucalyptus radiata here. There's many different kinds of eucalyptus. Um, mm -hmm. That is an amazing one to just put on the stove, you know, put it on a timer so you don't forget you have something on your stove with water and just let it steam out into the house. You know, moisture in the air, uh, humidity in the air is actually quite good for us. You know, we can get sick when um, our uh, respiratory system is too dry. And, you know, I could just go on forever about aromatics <laughs> that are helpful. I mean, there's so many of them, you know, the ones that yeah. are specifically helpful for anxiety and fear, you know, are the lavenders, um, sandalwood. Uh, if you have sandalwood, it's endangered from India. So not the sandalwood, not the Mysore sandalwood, but the um, okay. Australian sandalwood, frankincense, which also unfortunately is, if you have it already, I don't encourage going out and buying it unless you get a sustainable source, but it's very grounding, very supportive to the lungs. Um, incredible, incredible, you know, just again, broad application support, anxiety, panic, fear, um, the chamomiles, um, there is a chamomile, um, Anthemis nobilis, which is Roman chamomile, much more gentle for children. It's, have you ever grown this one? This is a good one, Diana. It's like a, it's almost like a grass and it's a, um, perennial and it's, it doesn't have, no. the same, it doesn't have the same amount of flowers that that German chamomile, the tea that we drink, but it's yeah. perennial 
and the actual um, cute little leaves, they're super aromatic. And the story with that is that when people needed to go to sanitariums, you know, in the 19th century, the ground, the think this was in England, if I remember correctly, correctly, some of the sanitariums planted Roman chamomile instead of grass. <laughs> and you, people could just be in, you know, be on the lawn and they would get those um, calming mental <clears throat> effects. Um, so, so that, you know, I just want to kind of help people's minds move in that direction that aromatics are support here. They don't have to be essential oils. And if you do have essential oils, you know, go, go ahead and look up what the benefits are. You know, rosemary is great for the respiratory system and brightening mm-hmm. good for like focus. Um, again, peppermint contraindicated for the littles, but you know, could really be supported if you just feel like you need to um, brighten up and focus and that your lungs might feel congested you need energy to move, prana to move. Um, yeah, I'm like, oh, what else can I say? There's just so, so many. But I know there's, on, yeah. I always tell um, people that are coming to the yurt when you're there um, that they ask me to describe you or they ask basic <laughs> questions. And I'm like, oh my God, she's like an encyclopedia. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. You know, yeah. it's, so, it's so incredible how much information you share. And I'm so grateful that I could you know get you on here to share your voice a little more um I just felt it pretty quickly when I started seeing sort of the herbal hysteria happening on Facebook and the misinformation just flying around and people just sort of in panic like what herb can I use or what homeopathic can I use for this thing Mm -hmm. um and I thought okay I'm gonna reach out to Lana and see if I can um spend some time with her um thank you thank you because Yeah, you know, it's really difficult. And I think for people who are asking that question, I think my answer to that is having a naturopathic doctor in your life is one of the most life-changing, profound things. Mm. Um, And I've watched my naturopath go through homeopathics with me, and it's so specific to the symptoms. You know, she'll go through a whole battery of questions before she tells me which one. Um, so we really need to reach out to those folks too. Absolutely. They're incredible support. I am very grateful for my naturopath mm-hmm. here. And, you know, I think we both can speak to the fact that Vermont has a really beautiful healthcare system where naturopaths are included as prim- primary care um, mm-hmm. physicians. I'm not sure that's the right, right word to use, but, you know, yeah. we're able to work with them and, and, you know, and it's a profoundly healing experience to work with someone who has such a, a breadth of, wi- you know, so much wisdom across uh, modalities. Yeah. It's really a gift. It yeah. is. And so I just want to say one last thing about essential oils, because I have this platform. If you mm-hmm. are drinking essential oils, I would really, really encourage you to cease that practice at this time. That is really not something that is um, particularly safe in the realm of um, clinical aromatherapy, unless you're under the supervised care of you know, someone who can counsel you through. The reason why are many, but just remember, these are very concentrated chemical constituents of a plant. Some of them are insecticidal, you know, they're, they're, you know, they might be good for us in small amounts, but when we're ingesting oils, one, we can irritate our mucous membranes, and two, the delivery system, you're going to run out of them quickly that way, so it's going to cost you a lot of money, it's not sustainable, and, and I'm not so certain that it's really safe. We have seen people have, go into anaphylactic shock from ingestion, and don't be afraid if that's what you've been doing. You know, that's promoted by multi-level market um, companies. But I just want to be a safety person. Mm-hmm. Also, if you have essential oils, they are flammable. Do not keep them near your stove. 
um, keep them away from children in particular. They let things that smell good. Sometimes children like to swallow. So they are, they are to be kept, you know, in, in a closed cabinet and, um, and also please don't apply them, um, undiluted to the skin, you know, uh, do, do dilute them down a bit. And mm-hmm. with that, I feel, I feel like I've said so much. I hope I didn't overwhelm anyone. But... No, it's okay. I think everyone can just go back and re-listen and, you know, take little bits and parts and take notes. And there's a lot of resources that you shared too. It's really wonderful. So yeah. I'm so, so grateful that yeah. you came on here with me to share. Um, and I really hope that this is helpful to folks who are listening and I really can't wait until I get to see you once we're freed from the social distancing and we can hug each other again (laughs) I can't wait it's like no extra amazing yeah yeah really will yeah it's bringing a lot of important things to light you know um and I appreciate that so thank you so so much Alana and I will see you soon thank you so much have a good one Thank you so much for tuning in to this spectacular episode with Alana Sobo from Shakti Botanica. Um, Please visit our Patreon page because Alana is offering a wonderful gift to our Patreon supporters. She is going to give away a Angelica flower essence. So all you have to do to enter the giveaway is to visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash mountain hollow. And I will be posting um, the giveaway and you can find it right on our Patreon page. And all you have to do is leave a comment on the post. And the comment can be something about, you know, what what was really important to you, what stood out to you in this conversation, or what supported you. Um, And that would be lovely feedback for Alana, and that will enter you into the giveaway, and I will announce when the drawing will be on the Patreon page. Um, Giveaways are always public when it comes to Patreon, so you don't have to be a Patreon supporter to enter this giveaway. However, my Patreon supporters are really helping me hold down the fort right now as things have really slowed down in these changing times and I no longer have in-person healing sessions and I'm sort of uncertain in this very moment as as to what's going to happen with in-person courses in the next two months in the yurt. Um, Becoming a Patreon supporter is only $2 a month to subscribe to so many Uh, wellness courses and meditations and recipes and so much information for overall wellness Um, there's so many I can't even list them all but I think there's about 58 offerings on our patreon page at this time so please head over there and check it out and don't forget to check out shaktibodanica.com and read more about Alana thank you all so much sending wellness and love